Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As an executive mind coach, I'm always inspired when leaders embrace true coaching and guidance. Today, we're fortunate to have an incredible thought leader. We have Lisa Bontasumi. She's the CEO and founder of Ath Mindset, and she also serves as a mental health and sport performance specialist with the Oakland Root Sports Club. They're a professional soccer club in the USL, the United Soccer League. We're so thrilled to have someone from her background, her experience, and she happens to be around athletes all the time. Lisa, welcome to the Twins Talk It Up program. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I'm glad that we're making this time to share together and have some fun and talk some talk some shop and um, get into some good stuff today. So I'm, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. This is Danny. And from time to time, as David and I are speaking, we'll make sure to chime in who's talking. So Lisa, please tell us a little bit about uh, your work and why this niche with athletes, because this, this specialty, I love it. You work with all athletes, amateurs, collegiate, Olympians, professionals, but please tell the audience why this specific vertical, why this specific area working with athletes and tell us a little bit more about your work. No, I appreciate the question. So I actually, I was a competitive athlete growing up. Um, I played soccer. That was my sport. My brothers played as well. Um, they played collegiately uh, and they were actually able to play together at the same college at the same time. Um, which was not a lot of brothers, maybe you guys, if you guys played, you could get that, but not a lot of brothers can do that. Um, but, um, I got injured in high school and I, although I had dreams to play in college and I, I rehab, but couldn't get back to that level. And I couldn't, I didn't have enough physical and emotional support actually to heal my mind and my body from that injury. Cause it was, it, it, it was a lot. It was, it took away half of me. I identified as a student and an athlete. And that's it. So you take away the ability to, to perform in my in my sport. And I'm like, I was lost without the, the guidance. I didn't know how to find it. My family didn't. Um, so I want to be to someone who I didn't have at that time. And so it really it really is my passion to help athletes um, be their most human self and be proud of themselves and be positive. Um, the other thing is you know, I've been a clinician for over 20 years, but I formally pivoted to working with athletes several years ago because my daughter is a high level softball player and she was struggling with perfectionism, um, negative self-talk, lack of belief, not letting go of mistakes. And I'm like, wait, how can I, her mother, a trained therapist, help her with this? I'm like, I kind of can, I think. And then believe it or not, my husband's also a therapist. So, oh gosh, oh gosh. everybody's like, what are they going to turn out to be like? Well, they're going to be solid, emotionally intelligent humans. That's what they're going to be. Um, so I was like, she can't be the only athlete, the only young lady dealing with this. So I went back to school. I had the nerve to go back to school after all this time. And I'm pursuing my certified mental performance certification um, to also complement um, the clinical work that I do. So I, I feel 20 years younger every day. I'm, I love my work. I'm excited. I I have a problem finding enough, wanting to go to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep because I want to yeah. keep working yeah. and keep meeting people and keep helping. It's just really cool. That's uh, This is Danny again. That's kind of where I'm at every day. I have this uh, tendency to can't go to sleep at night. I'm always working on my thoughts, coming up with great ideas. Dave and I love having ideas. The problem, of course, is execution. And one of the things we do is we work on mindset, 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 working on our smarts working on our daily habits to where we can take away most of the thinking. And I think yes. a lot of times we don't think about our habits and how they actually go throughout the day, what pants like we put on first and all that other stuff. So that's the only way we can keep things done. Uh, I'm with you on that. Now, this past weekend, Dave and I, we, we also love sports. 
and, and I'm so glad to have you on board here to talk about the athletes. And so this past weekend, we had an unusual behavior happen on a Sunday football game. We had Antonio Brown, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, for some reason, in the middle of the game, took his jersey off and just walked away. Now, he said he was injured, and they were forcing him to, pay through, uh, to play through the pain, and they say otherwise. Now, with all that's been revealed about potential mental damage, concussions, uh, there's more concussions actually in women's soccer than there in football, but that's another story. But all the stuff that's happening in the United States, uh, I think it's time to go beyond CTE. I know there's a movie with Will Smith. We talk about it. But really, at the end of the day, for you working with athletes, uh, do you come across this all the time where the behavior is just something that needs to be talk, talk, talked about? For sure, for sure. And, you know, when I first saw it, I was, I mean, honestly, was concerned. I was like, what is he going through? What's he experiencing that he would move to that to take off his jersey, his pads and, and sort of walk out right then? Play was going on, but he was in the other end zone. Um, and I've had the opportunity to talk with um, other players, former players, people who have family members in the league, and they have all of their sort of, what is it, assumptions and wonderings. Um, we'll never know, you know, only, on, only Antonio knows what was really going on. In, in the press release, he said that he was triggered, you know, so there was some kind of, when when we, when we say triggered, at least in my field, it means it brings up an emotional or physiological response to an old, old trauma or old upsetting experience that there's something that was said or he heard that took him there, that took him there. And, you know, come to find out more from these conversations that, you know, he, he was told you need to play no matter what, it doesn't matter how you're feeling. You need to play and we're going to cut you if you don't kind of thing. You don't even need to have concussions to have symptoms of CTE, but there are other brain damaging things that can happen. I'm not a doctor, so I don't, I'm not going to say that I know all about that. And I know that um, CTE can't even be diagnosed till you're dead um, and your brain is examined, but there, there's symptomology, which is different than the, than the diagnosis, there's symptomology of it. Um, so, you know, people say he's a free spirit. He's going to do his thing. I hope he's okay. Like I remember if we recall the summer, Simone Biles, um, you know, she had a physical injury or she, she left competition, right? We wondered about a physical injury. Then later it was a mental health injury. I wonder if there's, that's going to happen later. Um, and we need to understand that a mental health injury or a mental health situation or crisis or stressor doesn't have to be a full blown, like diagnosis there's still mental health can be compromised when a stressor goes on but it doesn't have to mean that oh now you're depressed or now you're anxious or now you have a psychotic disorder or something it doesn't mean that and I think the nuances of that are still for us to like keep having conversations like this about yeah this is David Leeson I'm so glad that we are jumping into this discussion because I really wanted your thoughts about the incident um with Antonio Brown. And the thing that got me, and, and I, I think people instantly just assume, oh, there's that diva again. There's that Antonio Brown doing Antonio Brown stuff all the time. And that outburst should be expected. But as was stated earlier, we learned that coach, the coaching staff, they wanted him to go back in the game. He kept saying he was injured. And that when he said triggered, I also started thinking what triggered him. And he mentioned that there was a, there was some kind of motion that the coach made with his hand. And then he said, get out. And so in his mind, that may have triggered some kind of uh, way he might've been treated in the past. It could have been this overwhelming narrative he kept telling himself over and over again over the years. And, and, and that was part of it. But I also think there had to have been some emotional trauma perhaps beyond the, the way he might've been treated affected his whole life. I think there might've been some mental health outside of that, maybe a damage we don't know about CTE per se right now, like you said, Lisa, but, but I think there could be some injury there. And I'm wondering if they had done a little bit more insight or research into this, if they could have gotten him the support or help. I don't know. I just wanted to know what were some of your instant thoughts to that other than the fact that he stormed off the field. Maybe this is Antonio doing Antonio Brown stuff again, or really does he have some mental health 
issues that we haven't really uncovered? Maybe. I mean, we won't know. I mean, as a, as a professional clinician, I need more than just that scene. Um, but I'm concerned and I wonder, and I have lots of questions again, only that he can answer, but you know, trauma, I mean, emotional childhood, psychological trauma can still impact the brain. There, there is neuroscience behind that. So you don't have to have hit after hit after hit to have your brain damaged. Just experiencing a trauma can do that. Um, and I would love him, you know, to model for a lot of people that it's okay to get help, whatever that might be. Maybe he is, I don't know, to talk to a professional and to get in there and to understand a little bit more about himself um, and see. But, you know, they go through so much. That could have been the, the you know, the camel, that, what is it? The straw that broke the camel's back that day. There, no. Who knows what happened to that day, the day before, the day before that, that would lead him up to be in that place to take it the way he did. Who knows? I mean, professional athletes, you know, Antonio Brown, they, they deal with a lot. It's not just them on the field. They're whole humans um, who have responsibilities and, and have to navigate so much. So I don't know. Who knows? But I, I, I wish him well. I hope he's safe. Um, and, you know, I just, I hope he gets the healing that he deserves, whatever form that looks like. Yeah, this is David again, Lisa. And, and I agree with you. I, I want him to get the help that he needs, as well as all the other athletes that perhaps um, feel like they don't have a voice. Perhaps they feel like they don't have the ability to speak because maybe they're going to be evaluated by another team as being too weak or a team that's saying they've got too many issues. And so that to me will be so important to be able to say, can we get the the culture to change a little bit in the NFL, the culture change around professional sports to say, Hey, we do need to have these talks. We do need to have these conversations because mental health needs to be just as important as the physical health of these athletes. We can have conversations around health, right? But are we really having these talks? Are we really taking this to the platform or to the extent where the, these athletes are feeling like it's a safe place to have these talks? I know in your field, you're probably obligated by certain laws or HIPAA laws where you can't you know, disclose what's being shared to you by the athlete. But I would have to imagine that we've got to go beyond the lingering stigma that's around the sports uh, sector to say, hey, this isn't something bad if you have some areas of mental health issues or if you have some concerns about your mental health, there shouldn't be this stigma that you're not going to be in a great place or you're not going to be in a position to get that next contract. Yeah, I mean, if we if we talk about the physical health part, like, again, we're all still reading the news as it's revealed that the in-house doctor had a certain idea about what was going on with Antonio's ankles, the bones, etc. Um, apparently, there was an outside, a doctor outside of the team that did a second opinion and found different results. So we have to know that inside, often, there is more than just the athlete's um, well-being and play. Mm -hmm. um, it's about, can we play him? Can we not? Does this mean a win? Does this mean a loss? It's a business. Um, my work with the Oakland Roots, you know, is about bringing in what I do in my profession, just as we bring in athletic training, just as we bring, bring in strength and conditioning. You know, I am part of the technical team. I am housed at the training facility. And so the players and everyone knows that I am part of keeping the athlete holistically health, healthy and that every athlete is set up to, to meet with me at least one time for 30 minutes as part of just the onboarding process. It's just what every athlete's going to do on the routes. Then me and the athlete can decide together what does that mean moving forward, if anything, then it's up to them. Um, so that's part of destigmatizing. I think that like, it's part again of one aspect, one pillar of the full health of an athlete. I think my work at the um, NFLPA um, listed in their clinical directory, they have a whole arm of us who are ready to, to meet with the guys um, to support them. It's a diverse group. I'm proud of the group that Dr. Amber Cargill has put together um, and we're here and we're waiting, we're ready. Um, so again, though, do they see it as someone inside? Do they, do they really trust 
that we are going to keep it confidential. Like a lot of the athletes don't know, like that's not me being confidential because the NFLPA said so, or the USOPC said so. That's, that's the law that I'm governed by in my profession. It's, it's, that's my reputation. That's me. So this ongoing discussions like today, which I'm very grateful for to, to continue to unlock and unpack these different dynamics that are in play for, for the athletes. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny, and I appreciate you bringing that up. One of the, the things I think about is when I watch golf on Sundays, uh, for those that actually make it to the final um, from Fridays and Saturdays and don't get cut, look at them as normal people. Wow, they're, they're amazing. They're making a lot of money. They're out there. They have mental toughness to play four days uh, worth of golf. I know when I go out and play golf, man, after one shot, it is tough for me to get my mind right. And a lot of these professional golfers, they all have coaches to help them with their mindset. A lot of them have coaches helping with the mindset. And nobody questions them when they, when they have to take, when they swing a club and throw it away, or they feel like, you know, I, I just got to quit. I got to drop out, or I can't go to the next tournament. I got to get my, my mind right. But when a professional athlete does it, um, it's almost like shut up and dribble, right? So right. when we think about uh, DeMar DeRozan, right? Michael Phelps, Naomi Osaka, specifically Naomi Osaka and Shakari Richardson, Simone Biles, as you mentioned earlier, but more so when we think about Naomi Osaka and Shikari Richardson, who are of color, when they decided to put mental health first, they were ridiculed, criticized, they were put down, where some of the other athletes who have come to the forefront of addressing this were, hey, it's okay, we're here to support you. So I think that what is happening is very important. We have athletes who are now expressing their stories, realizing that they, they can take this platform that they were given, and it's not just shut up and dribble. Yeah. I can actually explain what I'm doing. I can, I can actually explain what I'm thinking, what I'm going through emotionally. To have the whole world look at you to be the best female athlete of all time in the Olympics. You are expected to win gold every single year. Year in, year out, every medal, every broken record there is out there, no matter what. What pressure? This is what you live for. What are you talking about? You need a mental break. Who cares? You're going to go out there and get the gold medal no matter what. And you're going to win by two, three points of margin. No big deal. And I know with you talking about what you do for the Oakland Roots, this is a, this is a classic example where you sitting down with the athlete, 30 minutes, mandatory, whatever they want to call it. I think it is a must. So please tell our audience a little bit more insight on 
how you're able to bring out an athlete, to bring out what's going on because they don't know you. <laughs> They're trying to get to know you. But the same thing, the reason I ask this question, it also applies in business. David and I have to sit down with the clients and get them to bring out what are you going through? What is your fears? Why are you afraid to take this step to help your business grow? X, Y, Z. For you dealing with athletes, tell us a little bit more insight on that, please. No, it's great. I mean, it's, it's having a conversation. It's not me drilling them with why this, why that, how come this, tell me your life story. Like right now, hurry up. We have 30 minutes. It's breaking the ice. It's them getting to know me, getting a, a sense of, is this someone that I can start to get to know? Could, could I start to build trust with this person? If the answer is probably, then maybe I'll give it another chance to see if it's going to grow. Nothing's going to be established in the 30 minutes. And actually, before the 30 minute uh, sessions even happen, I'm going to be introduced from the top down, like alongside the board, the whole technical team to the players in a meeting at the very beginning of the season in a couple of weeks. You know who I am, what I'm about. I get to say a few words about my work and then I'm going to hang, I hang out. I hang out at the training facility. I'm, I'm accessible. I'm doing my thing. I'm not this person who's like hiding behind my office or in my, just there and people come to me. I no, I, I enter into their environment um, as much as possible. Cause I also have their own sacred space. That's just for them, but like I'm visible and around. And so they, they, we can have casual conversation. We can be transparent. Like we can banter, we can, and then when we go into the closed door, it's different. Like, okay, we talked about this. How was that? Like, it's a conversation. That's all the 30 minutes one is. I think all my sessions are conversations. Really? Mm -hmm. You're not forced to talk about anything you don't want to talk about. Right. <laughs> it's a relationship that we're building. That's what it is. Lisa, this is David. And, and I'm so glad that you give them that, that safety to say whatever's on their mind. And it might be something as simple as, why do you think I'm not performing as well? Mm -hmm. To maybe this started because when I was you know, 12 years old and I was playing baseball, uh, I struck out three times in a row. I got called this name and I always play that same image in my mind when I get up to the plate. You know, these are things that you're addressing and I, and I love that. And I, and I'm, I appreciate hearing that. It, it, it's got me thinking there and I'm glad you brought up the NFL Players Association and the fact that you're listed and all these, prof these professionals are listed as resources for these athletes. But, but I've got to wonder, could there be more resources available for these athletes? Because you know every single organization has a strength and conditioning coach. They have an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Why not having mental health coaches, mental health resources through professionals like yourself? I, I don't want it to be suggested as much as it's mandatory. Uh, these athletes work with these conditioning coaches one-on-one -on, -one on their specific plans Shouldn't they also have those plans for their mindset? I, I would like to think that that's got to be a part of the evaluation, um, preseason, in-season, postseason of every single player. So what else can be done or what other resources can be made available for these athletes to get that type of support that you provide? Yeah, I mean, David, it's a great question. I mean, I think I'm with you. I, I would love every team from the youth level all the way up to professional to have a professional like me somewhere in the staff. So that's a culture shift though, mm. because the stigma is still there. Like, do I really trust that you're not going to tell my coach that I'm dealing with A, B, or C, and then they're not going to play me or I'm not the start. I'm not part of the starting 11 or they see the coach sees me as weak because I do that. So it goes back to the holistic approach, not just of the athlete, but the organization wide. So if we talk about the roots, being able to provide support for everyone from the chair to, to front office staff, to game day staff, the technical team, they get their support too. That we are, we are a organization that is mental health friendly, policies and procedures. It's there. I partner with Cutler Wellness Programs and she takes care of the sort of mental health education for players and coaches. Um, and it's education alongside the clinical stuff. So I think mental health doesn't have to be clinical. If you learn skills, like you guys are talking about in your business, like of setting routines, meditation, um, that your self-talk is healthy and positive. These all help our mental health. These skills and tools that then we use on the field and then in our lives, 
You don't have to actually sit down with someone, although I would love everyone to, just like with physical health, don't we have prevention? Don't we have assessment diagnosis, a treatment plan instead of interventions, and then a recovery plan for physical injury and, and, and the optimal physical health? Why not have the same thing for mental health? Prevention, assessment, diagnosis, et cetera, like, and have that available. I still think it's just, it's, people aren't ready yet. The way we're talking, it's like, it's, it's new. It's, we got to keep breaking down the stigma um, of what, of what it means, of what it means. Right. This is David again, Lisa, and I appreciate you sharing that. It is going to take some time, but it's got to be made. And, and you mentioned that there needs to be a culture shift. And there was a time not too long ago where they didn't have helmets. They had these little leather coverings on their head. Right. And they changed the, to these hardened helmets. Then they changed the padding in the helmets. And they keep thinking, oh, if we just change the helmets, things are going to get better. I, I personally think that we've got to do even more. I, I, I think that when you say culture shift, Here's here's what got me when you said that. About seven years ago, I met with the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, Pete Carroll was the coach of Seahawks, and I asked him about head injuries, and we talked about technology, implementing other techniques to helping the athletes stay healthy. And one thing that I brought up was, Coach, what about rugby tackling, rugby style tackling? And he said, You know, that's a great point. He goes, I've actually been talking to my staff. We've been talking about teaching it. I said, but coach, if you don't do it here at the NFL level, it will never trickle down to Pop Warner. It'll never get to the high schools because right now what people love, I hate to say it, they're entertained by violence. They're I mean, entertained by how violent the sport is, but yet you see rugby players, and yes, they do get injuries. They have a lot of soft tissue injuries. Sometimes they get broken bones, but there's, there's less cases or at least less cases that we're hearing of in terms of head trauma in terms of the brutality of the sport, because they tackle differently. So, so even Coach Carroll admitted, he said, look, I, I do think that if we were able to embrace that, we would have less of it. He goes, Dave, I've actually taught some of that to my athletes. Now, I don't know how true that is across the board, but I just think that until there's that shift and we celebrate the health of the athlete, mental and physical, rather than the violence of the athletic sport, then we may not see this shift because it's still going to be tolerated even in the peewee, Pop Warner level. Um, what else do you think would need to change in order to get that to happen in the NFL or even in, let's say, the professional sports that you're around, the athletes that you're around? I mean, I think the first thing is, you know, continuing to have conversations with stakeholders in sport like Coach mm. Carroll. I, I had um, the opportunity to interview on my podcast, um, Reggie Walker, um, former NFL player, captain, He's very open about being a mental health advocate in his own trauma history. And, you know, he, he's, he talks very openly about like, we are glorified and commodified to be violent. It's condoned and encouraged on the football field. A lot of guys don't know how to switch that off when you're not on the field um, and are surprised when on some levels it's not understood that you would be like that. Although Reggie can say that who he, his persona on the field is very different than his persona in real life. Yeah, and point. that's an intentional shift. Um, and that he is not that, he, he uses a certain word, um, but that brutal, he's not that brutal. Um, and it's, it's shifting and understanding the true story because we glorify that side, but we don't understand or want to even really know about the human. Um, and so I think more data and research that mental health intervention, support services from a sport performance side to the actual clinical work, to education, to, um, all of that, more data gathered and research on it that shows that it's effective. And that takes time to gather, have the practical work to happen. And then the research and data alongside it to show that, look, look, this helps, this helps the development of the athlete, then the whole team. Like I was sitting up having dreams about like, whoa, what it would be like if every player on, on my team on the route saw me weekly. Like just a development, not just as an athlete, but more importantly, as an awesome human, like what the heck? We would like take over the world though. But I mean, it's just exciting to see if we could just add that element. Um, but it's, it's, 
the stigma's there. It's it's invisible. How we how we cope with our mental health is is invisible. What goes on inside is invisible. Like we don't know again what's going on with Antonio Brown. We never knew what went on with Junior Seau. We could talk about him. Um, that's a story too. But like we can see when someone's broke a leg or when someone got knocked out. We can see that and like oh oh you know I hope they're okay. But when they see a behavior that might be not usual from a psychological standpoint it's not given as much understanding and compassion so this is danny and i i really appreciate you bringing that up what i think about at this moment is the fact that my brother played collegiate tennis i coached uh high school football collegiate football for one year high school for five years and i tell you that in order to become a coach you have to go to the coaching clinics you have to go get cpr certified all the stuff that you have to have these requirements done. I think about a lot of the professional sports that are played from Pop Warner all the way up to the professional level. Every single coach has had to be certified or go through some training. And not everyone has the ability to be able to afford a mental health coach, uh, someone who can actually help the student athletes. Uh, Should there be budget set aside from all levels not necessary to have a dedicated professional like yourself coming in at every level, but coaching the coaches yeah. on basics of how to speak to an athlete without scarring them. Is that something that you believe should be done from the time of, uh, an, an infant decides that they want to pick up and do Taekwondo to doing uh, peewee football? Uh, you know, what is that thing called T-ball and all that stuff? Is that something you think that should be done today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Period. No, I mean, I think why not have mental health education embedded in the coaching certification process? Mm-hmm. I appreciate that because Dave and I coach manager and senior leadership in the C-suite. There's so many people that get promoted up because they were the top performer in their group, but they've never coached people before. They've never managed people before. They were able to be successful. Maybe they had a certain style. But in your team, you have people across the spectrum and they want to know, why aren't you doing well in your performance? Why are you not a good employee? Why didn't you hit those numbers? You need to get 30 day performance improvement plan. You're out the door. I need to go hire somebody else. They don't understand the damage that's being done. Right. All because the managers were never trained. They were never coached. They never went through schooling. And Dave and I deal with this every single week when we sit down with owners of the company and they think that everything's great. But when we, manage down and look at all the people underneath them and look how they're treating the people underneath them and how the treatment underneath them. There's like, no wonder your organization is not growing. You got a bad culture. You don't even realize it because you haven't trained the managers. So I see the same correlation. If every single coach treats that child is trained on how to have a conversation with the child without degrading them all the time, they, they would have so much more impact in the child's life than waiting until they're in college or in the professional realms where they can afford someone like yourself. And then it's like almost a little bit too late. Anything can trigger them. Anything can set them off. What are your thoughts on that, Lisa? I mean, yeah. I mean, what you're saying in the manager situation is that you're, you're punishing a lack of ability to perform. So a coach could do, does that and can do that with an athlete what, and then get rid of them. Right. Why, why can't it be, I lead with compassion and understanding and, and curiosity about why, how come they aren't meeting their potential or doing what we know they can do. How can I help? How can I help you get there? How can I speak to you? What language can I use to, that, that respects you and enforces that we are both humans trying to do the best that we can um, and that the manager is humble enough and the organization supports enough that I need to grow in this area. I am not, I am not, um, I don't know enough here. And and this is what's happening with my staff. I need help. Like that's tough to say. That's tough to say. So I agree. Yeah. This is Danny again, Lisa. I want to ask you a follow-up to that question from Dave and I both being student athletes. And I think about Dave, don't take this wrong way. I I still think I'm a better tennis player than Dave, even though he beats me, (laughs) he beats me like 85% of the time. Uh, he's a better golfer than me. He beats me like 98% of the time. But a lot of that I believe is not because he's actually better. I think it's my mental issues that I go through when I play the sport. Now, when I'm practicing and I did track in high school as well, I'm practicing doing the 100, 200. 
in my yeah. mind, I'm going through all the motions, everything's great. But as soon as the event happens, the meet happens, we go to a rival high school, our high school comes to us, and I'm now in the blocks. I, there are several times I went before the, before the gun went off, several times. And it wasn't because I was nervous of, uh, of anything. It was just more, I, I couldn't keep up in my mind everything I was going through, and now I'm performing. It's live. In practice, if I mess up, it's okay. Okay, go back to the boat again. Get your breathing down. Get your muscles relaxed. Get your form down. Make sure the first three steps out of the block, you're staying low. You're not shooting straight up. I'm going through everything. But as soon as the event happens, that anxiety kicks in, and I don't know, I don't know why the performance just doesn't match. How do you help these student athletes? Yes, professionals. We get it. They, they do this every day. It's muscle memory. And boom. They leave. They just eat, wake up in the morning. This is all they do all along. They don't even have to think about it. Boom, it's muscle memory. But for people who go to high school, college, you have classes, who have a job, and then also do sports, how do you help them get over this performance anxiety? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't want to exclude the professional athletes. I just, I spoke with Bronson Kalfusi yesterday on my podcast as well. And he, he, his mental approach, whether it's performance anxiety or, or not, or managing distraction, he had to work on that. He wasn't born with that and then became a professional NFL uh, football player. He, he, that was a skill. And he was open about it. I appreciated that because a lot of people think that, oh, they're just born with this stuff. It's genetic. It's a personality trait. They're cool. They're good. But they have to train their mind just like their body. So I, I want to, the mental game is much bigger than performance anxiety. It's, it includes managing expectations, managing the moment, staying in the moment knowing how you can use your body to help you be there and be grounded. So I think for performance anxiety for the younger athletes though, um, it's expected. It's expected that you're gonna be anxious. Um, how we interpret it, the, the butterflies in our belly, the, the sweat, um, the like lack of being able to like, oh God, I'm thinking about this. Or what did that person, they just yelled something. Was that to me like, uh, like you're all over the place to understand that and re-actually um, reappraise what that means to have to have sweaty palms and to have the butterflies in the belly. Let's say it's not anxiety, say it's excitement. We appraise it. Before, when I didn't know how to do that skill, I would just assume that I'm anxious and then this happens, This ha the thoughts come, the emotions come and the performance lacks. But if we are able to say, no, okay, I'm here, I'm present, I'm excited, that, that is actually different because you're telling yourself something different. You're, the thought is different. So then how you feel about the moment is different. I mean, alongside the pre preparation for performance anxiety starts way before you get in the blocks. Mm. That's right. You're preparing days before, weeks before, months before for that moment, those moments, and count on the fact that that preparation matters. So your pre-training pre routine your training routine, your pre-competition routine, your competition routine, your post-competition routine. Like every athlete should have one. And it's- I love that. This is Danny. to you. Say that one more time, Lisa. Every what? <laughs> every athlete should have one. Every athlete should have one. I love that. And you bring that up because it applies to the business world. Dave yes. and I are professional coaches. Well, you're performers. You perform. We are. We have to have our routine down. Yes. We have to have everything ready to go. Even the mindset, you said something was so awesome. The, the fact that when you're getting up to speak in public, people always think, oh my gosh, what if I say something wrong? What if, what are people listening to me? What's going on? Instead of saying, man, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah. People pay to come listen to me to what I have to say. I have the room. I'm the one speaking. It's, it's changing that mindset. And you yep. say they do the same thing with athletes, right? It's, it's amazing how that little psychology, that having that routine can help you, can get you ready to go. It does most of the work. And then you say, I'm excited. You say, I'm, I'm ready to go. You don't say, I'm nervous. I'm worried about what's going to happen. You, you, your, your psychology of just being prepared. You did the work. You got this, man. You got this. It, I love how you say that because that's exactly what Dave and I tell business leaders every day when they get up to give a speech or to talk about how the board to the boardroom and how the performance of the company is doing. That same mentality. 
No, it's uh, like I feel like I'm talking to an athlete, but it's a CEO. But I mean, but what? But there's so many similarities. So this CMPC that I'm pursuing is certification through the Applied Association of Applied Psychologists. It, it helps with anyone who's in a high-performing situation, like you all, any C-suite executive, a mil- the military, um, ground floor workers who are right there, firefighters, police officers, um, surgeons. Um, anyone who's kind of in a high pressure, high performance anxiety, like life or death situation, like could benefit from these skills. So that certification and that way of thinking isn't just for athletes, you know, and that's why, and you guys are both examples. That's why athletes do so well in, in business because you are taking the same intrinsic abilities and practice skills into your company, into your entrepreneurship that you've been doing all, all your life. So, I mean, these, t- these tools and skills are life tools and skills. You heard it from Lisa, every person in our audience. Athletes are amazing employees to hire. They are disciplined. Yes. You know, the athletes get up early in the morning while we're all sleeping to work out, exercise, hone their craft, then go to class then come back and go and do the sport, competing with other athletes, then come back and do their homework and do repeat it every single day. They've been doing this since they were in elementary school all the way to the professional level. Athletes are amazing to hire, just like military veterans. They have been born and bred for perfection, hard work, self-discipline. Listen, don't just go hire anybody. Find yourself an athlete or a military veteran. All right, I said it there, there you go. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Dan, Dan, I appreciate that. Lisa, this is awesome stuff. I'm going to tell you, I appreciate how you say, how you share that this could be applicable to any industry doesn't matter what type of career you're in. These are techniques and tools that can benefit you and your growth. I, I do want to add something in there as a public speaking coach, and that's really my specialty in my niche. I help my clients stay grounded in different ways. We talk about, you mentioned being grounded, uh, reminding them that they're safe to reappraise or re- reframe the situation they're in. And it could be something as simple as with my son, he plays basketball, is this, that one little tug on his jersey is a reminder. It's okay. You're going to be all right. It's safe. For me, when I'm coaching speakers, it's about how they hold their hand, how they stand on stage. I said that one little thing that no one else will see, but the fact that you touch it reminds you that you're grounded and that you're safe. And so I think that energy that you're getting, that nervousness, it can feed you into doing great things. And so I've got to ask this, though, Lisa, from your perspective, are there any other tools, any other techniques that you feel have benefited the athletes that you supported? It could be something as simple as breathing exercises, visualization techniques. What are some other tools or some other techniques that you've encouraged your athletes to embrace in in order to become their best at their sport or to really achieve peak performance? 
Definitely. Great question. And I love that. That's what your son does. Cause that is, that is a mental tool. It's called cues using a cue, a behavioral gesture that reminds you of something like to, to be grounded, to be here. It, it's unique to each individual athlete, each individual person, but it's, it cues you to what you're ready re, about ready to do. It readies you for the moment. The other side is what's called a, is a release, still a behavioral gesture, but it lets go. It, it releases that real or perceived mistake. So a lot of my athletes, like it's hard for them to let go of the mistake that they thought they had or was real in their mind and go on and get ready for the next moment. So a release is the same thing. Something I create alongside them. It's something they might already be doing, but we're putting the meaning to it that like, when I do this, when I tug here or when I go like this, or like I go like that, that means that that mistake is gone. It's out of me. I'm letting it go and I'm ready for the next. That's not the time to process that thing or like stay there too long because you have a job to do. You're still in the game. So those cues and releases are really great. I love um, goal setting, but process and performance goals, not just outcome goals, right? So performance, what the, the little sort of objectives that you put together then if completed become the outcome goal. And the performance goal is what do you have to do? What is your performance? What do you have to do to complete the objective to then get to the goal? Because if you're too outcome goal focused, you're going to lose motivation, lose confidence. Like, what the hell am I doing? But you have to like recognize and reward along the way, the steps that you're taking. Imagery is, is really awesome. It takes visualization to the next level. It's not just using the sense of vision, but all of your senses to create an image um, of how you want to perform. Then you mentally rehearse on it. Um, you can write it. You can say it out loud, record it. Um, a lot of my guys like to write it just over and over. And then you're training when you write it over and over because it becomes what you think and then thus how you behave. Um, there's so many uh, meditation. I do that actually at the beginning of every session with my athletes. Even if it's two minutes, all the way up to 10, depending on who it is, where they're at, what they want to do. Um, and then the routines we had talked about, that's a mental tool. Because there's so many things in our sport that we can't control. Our routines are something we can and that is grounding. It does help them feel safe. It's something that they can do on their own behalf when something so much is going at them at, during their competition. Um, actually, something new I learned about is neurofeedback, mm. which is really interesting. Um, it helps in the sort of arousal regulation, arousal reductions piece of it. It's like sitting, there's different technologies out there now. One of my, one of my colleagues um, has her own like brain, she calls it the brain spa, which is awesome. Um, but you set up to, you get set up to EEGs, you're on your, you're connected with your ears, your head, and then to the technology that basically feeds back, um, you know, what's going on for you and optimizes the brain functioning. It's awesome. It's passive. You just sit there. I could take a nap and it would work. My six-year-old son went and got, uh, had a session done. He was doing his homework and drawing and stuff while it was happening. So, and the, that optimizes the brain in the way that it actually, it, it's the equivalent of like meditating a hundred, a hundred hours and a half an hour. Wow. It just optimizes all the benefits that meditation gives us in that way. So, I mean, breathing techniques for sure. I love box breathing. So, you know, breathe in for four, count of four, stay at the top for count of four, come down for four. And then like, just do that four or five times in the moment that could really help. Like I felt overwhelmed earlier. I'm like, what? I can't get this doc done. Like, ah, I need to step away from here. (sighs) Breathe, recenter, let my central nervous system have a break, go do something else and come back refreshed. So those are just some, and then self-talk is huge. We've named it already. What you're saying is, is what you're going to do. If I'm nervous and, oh gosh, what am I going to do? Well, you're going to be confused. If you say, no, I know what I'm going to do. I trust my preparation. I trust what I've done. Then you got to flow into that. So anyway, those are some of them. There's more, but yeah. And that's awesome, Lisa. And I'll tell you what you shared are some of the things that we actually encourage and coach our clients to implement for themselves. Now, obviously, the whole thing with attaching yourself with the wires, that, that, that was pretty new for me. I was like, that's awesome. I would like to try that. If your six-year-old yeah. can sit there 
and whatever activity he's focusing on and still get those readings and get that feedback. That's awesome. So Lisa, this has been an incredible time with you today. I'm, I'm thrilled and look forward to keeping up with your journey, keeping up with what you're doing with these athletes and really cross pollinating to help and learn from each other. But for those athletic directors that are out there that hear this program for the sports organizations and the athletes that we come in connection with, how can they get to learn more about you? How can they get in touch with you to really seek your input and your thoughts if they want to implement more and more in their organization? No, I appreciate it. Um, you know, athmindset.io is my website. I'm on all socials, not Facebook, but LinkedIn, Twitter, IG. I love like just hearing how people are doing what they might need. I actually have a contract right now with um, Cal State University Bakersfield. So I, I provide um, this clinical piece and the sport performance. Actually, Cutlow Wellness Programs, who I mentioned earlier, she's partnered with the NAIA and the NJCAA, um, and I am the clinical arm of her mental health education. So it's happening. It's happening. Um, it's just, you know, the athletic directors themselves working on their own self-awareness about how this could be helpful and not let that be a barrier to actually helping other people. Um, so I, I welcome anyone who'd want to talk to me about this stuff, any way I can serve and help. It's, it's my purpose, it's my passion, I love this work. So any opportunity that I have, I'm up for it um, and just appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to you guys about like what I do and, and who I am. So I, I'm really grateful. Well, Lisa, it was interesting to hear coach, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Coach Arians, when he was asked about Antonio Brown, he said, he's no longer a buck. All right, that's the end of the story. But we have to ask ourselves, is that the end or is that really the beginning? Antonio Brown is just one of a multitude of athletes that are out there that may need to address their mental health. It shouldn't be trivialized. It shouldn't be changed into some type of a meme. There are professional athletes. If we want them to be their best, if we want them to root for them, cheer them on, and have them to be at their best performance, we should also want them to be at their best when it comes to their mental health. I mean, whatever you want to call what happened on the field, happened. But let's not leave it there. Let's have more than just the conversations we're having. Let's change the culture and shift of professional sports. Lisa, on behalf of my twin brother, Danny, I want to thank you for joining us on Twins Talk It Up. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.